Father God, we need your grace. We need your grace right now, this moment, to understand the truth of your word, to understand and decipher what Holy Spirit you're trying to say to us. So I ask your grace to come upon each of us today, that we may hear clearly from you and be changed for your glory. I ask for grace for myself, Lord. Help me to be accurate with the truth of your word. It's a sobering responsibility that I don't take lightly. Your word must not be changed. We can only present it as you wrote it. Bless us today as as we do that, Lord, and show us your will for our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. The word grace, our English word grace in the Bible, comes from a Greek word pronounced charis, which means love, favor, kindness, blessing. And and this charis, or grace, is given to us by God. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Redemption through His blood, forgiveness of sin. That little verse essentially explains the whole gospel message. We racked up a debt of sin, each of us. As I said earlier, that's why Jesus went to the cross, to pay for our sin. He stepped in, paid our debt, Washed us clean, so before God we are righteous. God is satisfied by the justice that Jesus gave with his life. He claimed the punishment that was meant for us. This was all done by God's grace, a gift. Let me ask you a serious question today. I'm the question guy, as you know. Are you right now in a place where you feel trapped by sin, by shame, by guilt? Is there something weighing you down, holding you, holding you captive, holding you down? This is what you need to know. God's grace is greater than than all our sin, than all our shame, God's grace is the most powerful thing there is. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. That grace that God freely gives to us overcomes anything and everything. All you have to do is accept it. It seems easy. And in some ways it is. So which part of of our salvation are we, we responsible for? It's not by our works, because there's nothing we could ever do to earn a gift that big, to earn God's grace 
There is nothing we could ever do. Our good deeds in comparison to God, as the Bible says, are like filthy rags. It's not by obedience, because we can never obey 100%, because we all fall short of the glory of God and we sin. It is not of ourselves. It is completely, 100%, a gift from God. And it's totally undeserved, because we actually deserve death as punishment. It's a free gift from God, thereby no one of us can boast that we have done anything for our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. And that's the part that sometimes we may struggle with, and, and I have over time myself. I sometimes like to believe my participation in my salvation is my faith, my personal decision to believe in God. Yet deep down inside me, I know it's actually God that gives me the faith to believe in Him. It's kind of a round and around and around. But without God, there's no movement. There's nothing. Knowing that God gives me the faith to believe in Him actually just proves out another one of His verses. And it came to me, one of the most popular verses we know, John 3.16. It proves out the first six words of John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That's why He gave us His grace. Because of His great love for us. He's done everything for us. Everything that is necessary to have eternal life with God has been given to us. And what is it we have to do? Just accept it. Even when people reject His grace, God continues to show His great love for us. Even when people choose to reject, reject His grace, God continues to show His great love by giving it to us. Let's look at, at a very famous example that we all know. The Israelites who were living as slaves in the desert in Egypt. Sorry, the Israelites who were held captive in Egypt as slaves. How many signs and wonders did God perform in the process of freeing the Israelites from Egypt? The ten plagues. The water in the Nile River turned to blood. The frogs, they covered the ground and were found everywhere. Everywhere. The bugs, they covered everything. Man and beast suffered. Hordes of wild animals destroyed everything in their path. Pestilence, diseases that struck and killed all the domestic animals of the Egyptians. Boils, man and beast were covered in boils. Hail, it was so severe that it killed man and beast that had not taken cover. The trees were even shattered to the ground. Locusts brought about complete ruin of the land that hadn't been ruined yet. And then darkness enveloped the land for several days, which even extinguished kindled lights. And then the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians, man and beast. And more. What else did God do? God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea and allowed them to cross on dry land. But when the pursuing Egyptian army followed, 
What happened? Back came the water. They went swimming, and they didn't come back out. God provided manna and quail for them to eat in their travels through the desert. They traveled with His presence, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Water came from the rock, and it wasn't from a hidden electric pump. God dispensed with their enemies, one after another. He gave them the Ten Commandments. Favor and favor and blessing and blessing were heaped upon them from God. Yet what did the Israelites do? They continued to sin and rebel against God on a regular basis. Despite their rejection of Him, God continued to show grace, love, and mercy to them. Sometimes there were dire consequences for their sin. Very dire. But ultimately, God led his people to the promised land. Not that generation. He allowed them to die off. But ultimately, he led the next generation to the promised land. Now here's where some of the rubber hits the road. I am so thankful that I am not like the Israelites. I don't act like them. I never rebel against God as I shake my fist on the pulpit. And I never go my own selfish way. I read my Bible. I pray. I tithe. I volunteer. I serve. I'm a good fellow. And you folks are too. We're all upstanding church folks. We're smarter than those Israelites. Or are we? See some nods. Going back and forth. They're not going up and down. They're going back and forth. What's my point in this rant about those poor Israelites? It's Ecclesiastes 1.9. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Every single time we reject God's way, we sin and we reject His grace. Every time we reject God's way, we sin, and we're actually rejecting that grace that He's trying to give us free. But even when people reject His grace, what does God do? He continues to show His great love for us. He does this in many creative ways. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, convicting of us, convicting us of our sins and our rebellion. That's that, that still, small, quiet voice that we hear. That sometimes we click and turn down the volume. He gave us the Bible to know Him better and to be a guide for us. Your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a guide unto our path. He puts people in our life that witness truth and hope to us. That's, that's why we have each other. That's why we have church family. We witness to one another. He arranges circumstances in our life that points us to Him and reminds us again of Him. And one of our favorites, He sometimes allows trials in our life to draw us back to relationship with Him. We love those. Even nature points to Him as the Creator. 
we defined earlier God's grace as blessing, kindness, and favor. Okay? Just to review. God is infinite, and I believe His grace is too. His grace is infinite. Therefore, I believe we receive His grace in many different forms, and I'm just going to give you a few. There are so many different forms. First is the most obvious, our salvation and forgiveness of sin. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever should believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. The Gospel message. That truth changes everything for us. Changes everything. The power of Jesus puts us in heaven with God for eternity. But it should also change things for us here and now. This life right here, right now, is not just a dress rehearsal. It's not something to be endured until we get to heaven. 2 Timothy 1.9 For God called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because this was His plan from the beginning, before the beginning of time, to show us His grace through Christ Jesus. God called us to live a holy life. Here and now. That's part of the grace message that He gives us. Here and now. Life is not that, as I said, thing to be just endured. It's a blessing. It's a gift to be used wisely. To be lived for God and others, not just for ourselves. Another not as obvious form of grace is discipline. Another one we love. Trials, discipline, bring them on. Everybody's got their hand up? You want more? Okay, how does discipline fit in God's grace? Blessing, kindness, and favor. That doesn't seem to connect with discipline. But you know what it does, very clearly. Proverbs 3.12 For the Lord corrects those He loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. God's favor, listen closely, God's favor rests on those He loves. Remember that the next time you find yourself out of line and you realize um, things are kind of not going the way I planned and you realize that you're under God's discipline for something. God is not punishing you when He disciplines you. He is showing your favor to you and He's expressing His great love and kindness to you. If He did not care, He'd just let you go out and about and do whatever you want. You can get on your brand new motorcycle, drive well, 150 kilometers an hour without a helmet and ignore every traffic law there is. That's great. It'll work great for you, right? Not. God's favor is on us when He disciplines us. When that black and white car comes behind you and that red light's going, that's God's favor. Remember that next time you get pulled over. That's God's favor. He's trying to keep you safe on the road. And I thank our policeman as I smile and stare at my friend today that just came to me. That's, that's God's favor when that car comes up behind you and maybe even gives you a ticket. He's slowing you down, keeping you safe. I have a short story on, on, on discipline, and I had to get my son's permission to use this, and he laughed. He had forgotten all about it. Um, my son, Nick, uh, loved to play hockey. He was a good hockey player. 
And uh, we did some travel hockey, him and I. We didn't let it run our lives. Rarely did we miss church on Sunday. Just want to throw that in there. Once in a while we did. Wasn't legalistic about it. Sometimes there was a tournament or something on Sunday, but uh, it didn't take over our life. But we had a wonderful time. And, and I really looked forward to his games. Nick was also a good student. He was an A student. But one year, I believe it was like grade five or six, um, got his progress report in the fall, and, and instead of his normal A's and occasional B's, there were like C's and C minus, and and comments from the teacher that sometimes he wasn't doing his homework and 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 he wasn't participating at all in class, and and I'm like, whoa, what's this? You know, so I talked to him and I said, hey, Nick, what's up? You okay? Like this is not your normal behavior. I don't know, school, I don't know, school. I don't know, like my teacher, and some grumbling carrying on. And uh, I remember trying to communicate a a point to him. I said, you know, Nick, sometimes school is, is not about what you learn, but it's the process of learning how to learn. And part of that process may be learning how to get along with someone, i.e. your teacher, that maybe isn't a good fit for you. But you need to pull up your socks, son, and and get going, and I know you can do better, and and I know what you're capable of. Okay, conversation over. I assumed he's going to get back on track, and it'll be good. Dad had a talk with him. Well, he didn't get back on track. Next week, I get a a phone call from his teacher. Yeah, same thing. He's not participating in class. We had a quiz. He got like 20 out of 100, things like that. He still wasn't. So I had another chat with him. I said, Nick... We got to do something about this. If you don't turn the ship around, there's going to be consequences. And why was I doing this? Because I loved him. I said, Nick, if you don't turn that ship around and get going in school and get your grades back up, I'm going to have to pull your hockey. And I'll tell you, that hurt me just as much as him, just saying it. I'll tell you, the next week, I get a phone call from the teacher. I don't know what you said to Nick, but he's like answering every question in class. We had a quiz yesterday. He got 100. I'm not exaggerating much either. He got 100, and and he's coming in the morning and showing me just all by himself that all his homework is done. Got his attention. Got his attention. As a loving father, I knew I had to get his attention. There was some discipline coming. Just as God does that for us. He gets our attention sometimes if we don't listen. Word to the wise, take his first his first words as, as getting your attention. Do what he asks you to do. Obey God's word, and it doesn't always have to come to the discipline point where he takes away your hockey. Another form of God's grace is wisdom. Wisdom from God. God's favor and blessing also come to us in the form of his wisdom. His desire is for us to honor him, to be a witness to others, and to prosper in this world. Without godly wisdom, it is impossible to honor God. Did you hear that? Without godly wisdom, it is impossible to honor God. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 20. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And as the Scriptures say, He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness, And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. 
he knows they are worthless. True wisdom only comes from God. If you want to find wisdom, go to the book of Proverbs and camp out there. It is loaded with wisdom. We've talked a lot about grace. It's time to do some application. Second big question of the morning. Are you a person who welcomes God's grace into your life? Are you a person who welcomes God's grace into your life? Or are you more like the toddler that says, I can do it myself? You know, we don't actually say those words to God, I can do it myself. But just like Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit, just like the Israelites in their rebellion, the proof is in our actions. The proof is in our actions, in what we do daily. Do we seek God on a daily, hourly basis? We'll refer to that in prayer. Do we seek God daily, hourly? Do we ask Him for grace, favor, and wisdom? We have to ask for these things. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Do we listen and obey that voice, that quiet voice of the Holy Spirit? Or do we often reject His grace and go our own way and do our own thing? When we reject God's grace, we're choosing to rebel against God. Remember that. When you reject God's grace, you're actually rebelling against God. When we reject the things of God, especially His grace, we're essentially saying, I believe I know better than you do, God. Anybody want to stand up before God and tell Him that? But that's what we're doing when we reject His grace and do our own thing. We're literally doing that. I know better than you, Lord. When Eve took the forbidden fruit, and when Adam took the fruit from Eve, they both showed by their actions that they believed they knew better than God. Our actions speak very loudly. So, are some of our actions showing, are they displaying that we believe we know better than God? That's one to hang on to. It's a scary place to be at, thinking we know better than God. You know, if I asked anybody, do you think you know better than God? No. You'd say no. I'd say no. But through the week, we do things that say otherwise. Kyle Eidelman says in his book, Grace is Greater, that our ability to appreciate God's given grace is directly related to the degree we acknowledge our need for it. Our ability to appreciate God's grace is related to realizing our need for it. Do we realize our need for God's grace? How do we get our heart and our mind in the default setting of saying, I need God's grace. I need to talk to Him. I need Him in my life now, and I need Him every minute of my life. How do we get to that place? Instead of, I can do it myself. I quote Kyle Eildman again, The more I recognize the ugliness of my sin, the more I am able to appreciate the beauty of God's grace. There's a real key there to open up a door. The more I recognize the ugliness of my sin, 
the more I realize my need for God's grace. As I said during communion, I don't think we take our sins serious enough. God forgives me. Move on. It's real serious. Jesus took it real serious, didn't he? Gave his life for us. He stepped in to save ours because of our sin. Acknowledging our sin and seeking repentance from God puts us in a place that we can clearly see our need for Him. We need to acknowledge our sin. Acknowledge our sin. Sin is the roadblock. There it is. We're driving down the road. It says the road closed. Sin. That's what tries to block us from God. It started in the Garden of Eden, and it's still tripping us to this day. But we know the solution, right? God has provided the solution. Jesus Christ in His grace. So, as we start to wrap up, do you want to receive more of God's grace in your life? Everyone's saying yes. I see the heads nod. I'm nodding too. How do we do it? How do we get more of God's grace in our life? Here's your homework for this week. I was going to bring cue cards. I'm sorry I didn't, but I encourage you, if you have a pen, put it in your phone. I have a small thing for you to do this week. You know, too often I'm guilty of this. What was last week's message from Pastor? Uh, Give me a minute, I'll remember. Here's, Here's this week's homework, and it'll help you remember some of God's Word today. Not my Word, but God's Word. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal sin in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal sin in your life this week. You may be surprised what He brings to your attention. Things that we've just kind of... That's what we do. It's not hurting anybody. Ask the Holy Spirit. I, I... I encourage you, I challenge you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal sin to you this week, sin that's in your life, because that's what's blocking you from getting more grace. After you have identified the sin, ask God for forgiveness. Ask Him to help you turn from it. That's what it means to repent. You can't just identify it, oh God, forgive me, and then keep doing it. That's defying Romans 6. What shall I say then? Shall I go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. He, I died to sin. How can I live it any longer? Because we're crucified with Christ in baptism through death. Romans 6. So we have to repent from it. It's not enough to say, forgive me, Lord, and then just keep doing what we're doing shortly after. And once you do that, that puts you in a position to realize more of God's grace, to take on more of God's grace. When that sin gets blown away and knocked out of the way, when you, when you reveal that, you give that back to God, He reveals it to you, and you open up and say, forgive me, Lord, I know this is wrong. You just open the door wide open for God's grace to come and overwhelm you in a wonderful way. So this week, ask God to reveal sin in your life. God delights in giving you love and grace. Remember that. He delights in giving you that. All you have to do is ask for it. Let's pray.
Father, we thank You for grace. Your supply of grace is endless. You are limitless. Your grace and love are limitless. But we must also realize, Lord, and show us, reveal to us, reveal to us what we need to do to receive Your grace and Your love and Your mercy. Be with each of us this week as we seek to do our homework and ask You to show us, show us hidden sin in our life. We'll trust You, Lord. We'll trust You because we know how much You love us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.